Hey guys, Lucas Chris, you're here at Method Ministries. Today I'm going to be talking about the rapture. I wanted to do a video on this because I've been having some conversation with people online. I made some posts over the last couple of months about the pre-tribulation rapture. And what I discovered is that people are very, very easily offended by this. And it gets people really quickly uh, in, a, in a whole scuffle when you go against what they believe is just eschatology, you know, biblical eschatology, and they've been taught this, you know, their whole life, and they're really committed to it, and it gets people to the point where a lot of times, and more than once, and and uh, you know, more on uh, than one occasion, I have been called a, a heretic for this. So people get really, really offended by this. Now, I'm not trying to to make this video ju just to uh, you know be mean to people or call them out. I'm not going to take that stand. I don't think that this is a primary doctrine; it's a secondary doctrine. So this means that, you know, this isn't a determining factor for if you're a Christian or not, but just because things are secondary and not primary, it doesn't mean that they're not important. So I believe that this, this is important. And I, you know, I, um, I do believe that there's even some, some Christian values to having the right view of, uh, you know, eschatology and especially when it comes to having a right view of the rapture. So I want to talk about this and today's goal, today's objection is to show you my audience why I believe the Bible teaches the post-tribulation rapture. So the word post, that means after, and the word tribulation refers to the final, whether, you know, if you hold to a seven-year tribulation or a three-and-a-half-year tribulation or just some kind of tribulation before Christ returns or right before Christ returns, I believe the Bible teaches that Christ is coming to rapture us post, that is after the tribulation, and I'm going to show you why. But real quick, I do want to lay some groundwork here. And the groundwork I want to lay is that when you hear and think of the word rapture, don't think of a left, left behind series rapture. Think resurrection. And the reason why I mention this, because this is crucial, the word rapture, it, it literally means catching up or, or being caught up. And this refers to when Christ will resurrect, that is, catch up our bodies to meet him in the air. And when he catches up our bodies, he's going to resurrect them, redeem them, and we'll have little glorified bodies and together with all the saints, be with the Lord forever. We're going to meet him in the air, the scriptures say. So when you hear the word uh, rapture, when you read the word rapture, when you have discussions, think resurrection, because that's what the that's what the rapture is, is a resurrection of our bodies. And I will say too, is that some people will will go too far when they go against the pre-tribulation rapture, and they'll say, oh, the Bible doesn't teach the rapture. And I'm thinking, well, no, it does te teach the rapture. It teaches that Christ is going to resurrect our bodies. So it's very, very crucial that, that, that we highlight this. We don't have to go too far and overcorrect and say that, you know, the rapture isn't biblical at all. It is biblical. It is a biblical doctrine. So the issue is not, does the Bible teach the rapture? It does. The issue is, when does the Bible teach this rapture happens? And as a post-tribulationalist rapture believer, as, uh, that's a long word, word uh, term to use, right? The post-tribulation rapture. As a post-tribber, I'll abbreviate it. I believe the Bible teaches that the rapture happens at the Lord's coming. That is the second coming. So it's the same exact event. And I'm going to argue and show you from the scriptures itself, because that's the final authority on this, that the Bible teaches that this happens when the Lord returns. Before I show you how the Bible teaches the post-tribulation rapture view, I want to say that this does matter because if we believe that Christ is going to take us out of this world before the tribulation, and if we think that's the next prophetic event, then we're going to be in for a shocker if the tribulation does happen in our lifetime. And this is why I believe this is a really, really important doctrine. We have to be ready or should be ready, you know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. We should be preparing for possibly, hey, the Antichrist could show up and Christ isn't going to take me out and he's going to want me to endure this. 
Remember Matthew 24, 13, Christ says, he who endures till the end shall be saved. And he said that in the context of talking about future prophecy. It does refer to Israel in 70 AD, but as a double fulfillment also refers to the great tribulation um, or the, the great last tribulation in, uh, before the Lord returns. So again, this doctrine, it's secondary. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. I don't think you're a heretic if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. But just because it's secondary doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It does matter. And I think you can highlight like, uh, the fact that if you're preparing for a, a pre-tribulation rapture, you're going to be in for a shocker if the tribulation happens in your lifetime. So this is why you should be uh, sure on this. Test the scriptures. Does the Bible teach that Christ is going to turn prior to the seven-year tribulation or whatever you know tribulation view uh, you know you have? And by the way, this is a, you know what I did because you know I just want to give you know, give my testimony real quick. I used to, and this is the going back like I'm not even know now, but maybe like six, seven years, or eight years, uh, pr probably in the eight year mark. I did I didn't used to hold to a pre tribulation rapture, and um, you know it, it it got to the point where I I was um, really just going going to accept that okay i guess the bible teaches a pre-tribulation rapture because I, I i was looking in the scriptures i was hearing it but i wasn't seeing it so for a little bit i was just like okay you know i guess that you know whatever you know the bible teaches a, a pre-tribulation rapture i'm just going to believe that but then as things progress i started to realize wait a minute the bible doesn't teach a pre-tribulation rapture and in fact the bible is teaching that the rapture happens when christ returns not before he returns and this is what I'm going to share with you today. And I'm going to do that by going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And this is actually a famous verse, a famous section of scripture that the pre-tribulation rapture, that the pre-tribber will give you for showing the rapture. And remember, as, as, as we talk about this, as you're watching this video, the issue is not does the Bible teach the rapture? It does. The issue is when does the Bible say the rapture happens? And we're going to see clearly explicitly from God's word, not from commentaries, not from, from me or this man, that God says it happens at the Lord's coming. And you're going to find these words, this phrase in this section of scripture. So I got my Bible here. This is the New King James Version. I'll be reading from it. And a section of scripture we're going to be looking at is 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 through 18. If you can follow along with your own Bibles, but there the apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonians, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep is a euphemism for death. So he's talking about Christians who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And this is verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Let me give you the context real quick. So Paul is speaking to Thessalonians, uh, uh, Christians, and he's talking about those who have died. So he's, he's telling them, hey, don't grieve without hope. Why, Paul? Why don't grieve without hope? Because he's saying that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, that is, if we're alive and Christ returns, we're, uh, we're not going to precede them. Christ won't forget about the people who have died, the bodies that you buried, the persons who are in the grave. Christ is actually going to resurrect them first, and then we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in there and forever be with him. So notice, though, what I said. 
Notice verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians uh, 4. Paul says this happens when, and again, remember, this is, you know, this is the question. So if you want to find out, does the Bible teach a pre-tribulation rapture? Does it preach uh, or, or, or teach a post-tribulation rapture? Does it even teach a mid-trib or pre-wrath rapture? Well, here it is. All you got to ask yourself the question is, when does the Bible say this will happen? Well, verse 15 of 1 Thessalonians is clear. It says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, listen to this, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. There it is. The coming of the Lord. The rapture is the same event as the second coming of Christ. That's it. And the debate ends right here until the coming of the Lord. And we further know and further have proof and evidence that this is the second coming because he says in verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from where? From heaven. So he's descending from heaven. Brothers and sisters, when does this happen? When does Christ descend from heaven? At his return, at his return. And then he says in verse um, 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. And the word caught up is where we get the word rapture that refers again to the resurrection of our bodies. So Paul is telling the Thessalonians, this is going to happen at the Lord's return when he descends from heaven. This is a second coming of Christ. It's not a separate, separate coming. You know, we don't believe in three comings of Christ. We don't believe in that. We believe in two comings in Christ, the first coming and the second coming. If you're a pre-tribulation rapture, if you're a pre-tribber, you believe in three comings, the first coming, the rapture, and then his second advent. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches two comings of Christ. That's it. In fact, you know, uh, what I find interesting is that preterism or preterists will, will, will tell you that verses that speak about the second coming of Christ are actually referring to a spiritual coming uh, in judgment upon Israel by destroying the second temple, which he did in AD 70. So it's funny how pre-tribulation rapture believers and preterists will agree with certain things and reinterpret second coming verses for, for a different coming, for another coming. The Bible doesn't do that. The Bible teaches, again, two comings of Christ, and it says the rapture happens at the Lord's coming. Case closed. Now, I want to deal with a common objection, and a common objection is actually in the same book. So what people throw at you is they'll go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Or they'll just, you know, quote that verse, you know, uh, you know, without any reference, but I know what they're, you know, referring to. And there Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what they're arguing is saying that the tribulation is when God pours out his wrath on the unbelieving world. And therefore, because the Bible teaches that God hasn't appointed us to wrath, he won't let us go through tribulation. So there's a couple of ways that you can refute this. The first thing is that when Paul is talking here, he's not talking about a pre-tribulation rapture. He's not saying for God did not appoint us to, to, to wrath or to, to the great tribulation, but to be pre-tribulation raptured, you know, through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not saying that. that and that's an abuse of context. When the Bible refers to wrath, it's referring to God's wrath. And those who are saved are not under God's wrath. You're saved from it. So that's understandably, you know, that God, that Paul is referencing the fact of our salvation and that we're saved from God's wrath. That's what it's referring to. It doesn't mean that we won't go through tribulation. In fact, you know, saints since the, since the dawn of Christianity have been going through tribulation. I mean, how many Christians have been martyred? And even today, like in China, in the Middle East, Christians are are martyred. Are, are martyred, you know, they have their head chopped off, you know, you know, uh, this happens to them, they're thrown in jail, they get tortured, you know, you name it. So would you quote this verse to, to, to those saints over there who, uh, who are alive today and who have experienced tribulation to say, hey, you're going to be raptured because they weren't raptured out of those events. So it's not referring to that, it's taking this out of context. 
Also, too, I want to point you to the Exodus. So if, you, if you're familiar with the Bible in Exodus, God, you know, he, he told Moses, take me, let my, uh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he had a plan to get them out of the land of Egypt. He didn't do that right away. He did that through a series of you know, events because, you know, Pharaoh was stubborn and God used him to glorify himself. But if you remember that God, when, when the, the um, Israelites were still, in, were, were still in Egypt, God sent plagues. He poured out his, his, his wrath on the Egyptians, but his people were still in Egypt. And, uh, you know, there was one case, too, where, where, where God made it dark for all the Egyptians, and it, uh, it was not dark for the Israelites. And this showed his people and Satan's people. So in the same way, God is going to do this in a tribulation, and you can prove this in the book of Revelation. Like, you know, you go to chapter 7, God has those who are, uh, who are his marked. You know, there's 144,000. This is God marking those who are, who are his. So God can have his children in the tribulation which the book of Revelation even talks about saints on the earth during those days and pouring out his wrath and not having it poured out on his children. So this does not teach, First Thessalonians 5, 9 does not teach a pre-tribulation rapture and it's an abuse and misuse of the context. Last, the second chapter, the second text of scripture that we're going to look at is Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And so, you know, uh, you know, we're in the same, same section of scripture, you know, in the, in the Thessalonians uh, letters. And this is this is even uh, clearer to me than First Thessalonians because if you want to find out uh, when Paul says it, it's going to happen, Paul gets a literally even more clear with the details. He gets even, uh, more clear with what the events are that we're that that we should be looking out for, or what's next on the prophetic calendar. And so, there in Second Thessalonians chapter two, we read. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him. So I just want to stop there. So notice Paul references our coming together and our gathering together. So, so, so two things Paul's talking about, the, our, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. But he's talking about them simultaneously. Why is he doing that? Because they're the same events. So he's not separating the two. He's not saying, now I'm talking about this, you know, and I'm talking about that. I'm not talking about the second coming of Christ. I'm talking about the rapture of, of the church. He, no, he's not doing that. He's placing them together, talking and telling them, the order of events that that what will take place or or how this will take place. And he says this in verse two, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So he's telling the Thessalonians that, the, you know, they were afraid that that Christ already came and they missed it. So Paul is saying, don't be afraid. Don't don't worry. And why, Paul, what, you know, why are you saying this? You know, uh, you know, what if we miss Christ? You know, what if he came and he left and, and he left us behind? No pun intended. Well, this is what he says in verse three. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. What day? Verse one, the coming of our Lord and our gathering together to him. The same event, the rapture, the resurrection of our bodies and the second coming of Christ. The same event, not separate events. He says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day, the same event, will not come unless the falling away comes first. That means apostasy. So it's going to be an apostasy of the church. And the man of sin, that is, that is the Antichrist, is revealed the son of perdition. So Paul just told them, don't worry, you haven't missed the coming of Christ and, and the resurrection. Why? Because the apostasy hap has to happen first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. And then he says in verse four, who opposes, talking about the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, 
showing himself that he is God. So crystal clear language. Paul is telling us that the, the you know the resurrection of our bodies, the rapture won't happen unless two things happen: the apostasy and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So that means that the church is going to be around for this to happen, to witness this. So even if even if you want to hold to a mid-trib or, or pre-wrath rapture, the Bible emphatically refutes a pre-tribulation rapture. It does not happen. And it's it's in crystal clear language. And if we just let the text speak for itself and hold that as a final authority, we will not hold to a pre-tribulation rapture. We will hold in the most clear, straightforward text of scripture, the meaning that it's a post-tribulation rapture, that the rapture happens at the second coming of Christ. Guys, real quick, before you go, I want to encourage you to have a strong, deep, and personal devotional life to the Lord. You know, the scriptures teach us both in the Old and New Testament to be holy as the Lord is holy. Well, we can't do that without spending time with God. And so pray daily. And by prayer, I don't just mean spend you know, time you know, with the Lord in you know, five minutes praying you know, you know, for, you know, for small things, but I mean have a deep, serious prayer life that is committed to seeking and loving God wholeheartedly. And one of the things that I want to encourage you to, you, you know, you know, to pray about is pray for revival. I probably don't have to convince you that the churches in America that that the you know the state of our nation and the state of our churches in America are in a dire dire place and this is the hour of need we're in a, we're in a crisis right now the church is apostate and it needs to be awakened out of its spiritual slumber we need god the holy spirit to come and convict of us of our sins so that we can awaken and follow him and pursue him wholeheartedly but we as Christians, as individuals, we need to pray for this. We need to ask God to come and move. But that does start with us. So pray that God would revive your heart, that he would put your um, a fire in your heart for him so you would love him with all your being and you would pursue him and then want and, and, and others to come to faith in Christ. You know, because one of the things that the Bible teaches is that God wants all men to be saved. Well, you know, a good question to ask yourself is, do I want all men to be saved? Well, we should pray that God would, would give us hearts for people, for, for people to come to know him, to be saved from eternal hell and to be saved out of this wicked and adulterous generation. So we need to pray for that. So I really want to encourage you to start praying for revival and spend time daily with the Lord in prayer and read his scriptures daily. You know, it's impossible to be holy. I said this before and I'll say this again. It's impossible to be holy without a devotional life to the Lord. And so I want to encourage you, if this podcast can do anything, may it encourage you to spend time daily with the Lord and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God bless you all.